Okay, we're going to start our first Peter series today. Um, this is just going to be the introduction, so if you want to go to First Peter, we're going to read verses 3 to 5, and, and we're actually going to start again next week with verses 1 and 2, but right now I'm just going to introduce the series which is called The Living Hope, which, so today's kind of the the non-technical dealing with a lot of technical things. When we think of Peter, we think of, of Christianity really taking a root. I mean, it's not called Peterianity because it, it's not about Peter, it's about Christ. But, but ultimately, Peter was the one, the first one really who began witnessing to the fact of Jesus' resurrection. Um, we see, and we're going to read a little bit about his, the, the first big sermon at Pentecost and the message he's preaching that's really launching this amazing message that God visited the world and more than that, that God died and there was a reason for that. But even more than that, he rose from the dead and there was a reason for that too. And so we're going to go into that more. Um, so Peter is very foundational, and so we're going to go these next few weeks through the book of First Peter, and and our our topic is a living hope. So if you if you found First Peter, we're going to read verses three through five here. It says, "All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead." Now we live with great expectation and have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So, Peter... A little look at his life. We know, we know Peter because of his response to Jesus. As Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he willingly gave up his career as a fisherman to follow a wandering man, right? And so we have Peter following Jesus. And, and Peter kind of sets himself apart from the other disciples as one who is, can you turn me down a little bit, Aaron? It's, I'm just it's distracting me. I can hear myself so well. Um, <laughs> so Peter sets himself apart because of his passionate loyalty to Jesus. Sometimes it seems like it's misplaced because he seems to be trying to like micromanage Jesus' life. Um, but he really sets himself apart because of, of his passion not only to follow Jesus wherever Jesus is going, to protect Jesus whenever Jesus needs protecting, but really to try to get who this man Jesus is. And so in, in Matthew, we have Peter make this amazing declaration that, that Jesus says, it wasn't even from Peter himself, but he makes this declaration when Jesus says, who do people think I am? And he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And we've talked about this a couple of times in the last few months. Um, but when he makes this declaration, we go, Peter, good job. You know, we're giving him high fives. We're like, that, you're right on. 
But then we find in that same chapter, not more than 10 verses away, Jesus says, but this is what it means. This means, I'm going to have to die. And Peter says what? <laughs> he takes on and says, you can't, no, see, that's not part of the plan. And, and Jesus says to Peter, the same one who he says, Peter, you're, I am the Son of God. I'm, I'm the Messiah. He says to Peter at this point, he says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> okay, so Peter, who's figuring out, he's all passionate about it, doesn't fully get it. But, but he sort of isn't, I think so much of us can relate with Peter because we're, we're, we are either passionate or we want to have that passion. We sort of, we want to be the guy who's always on, you know, on the heels of Jesus, just ready to fall, ready to do whatever. And that's exactly where Peter is. And Peter, to prepare him to be the leader that he will be one day, Peter goes through a tremendously painful ordeal, which is to betray the one that he loves. And so when it comes down to the point of, of Jesus, this man who Peter has tremendous admiration for, affection for, loves him closer than a brother, he comes to the point where, where Jesus is not only betrayed by everyone, but is betrayed by Peter, and not only by Peter once, but three times is denied. And then in Luke, it records this, it says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Right? And so he had this, this bitterness. And then, and then later on, when Jesus is raised from the dead, there's this interesting interaction with Peter. He says, ask him three times, do you love me? <laughs> he says, you know, I love you. Um... And so Peter's going through a lot, preparing him to be the man that eventually writes the book that we're going through. And so I want us to, to f- discover a little bit what caused Peter to not only preach like he does throughout the book of Acts, but also to write the book that we're going to be going through. I just, I just want to get right now to the root of what his compulsion is to preach right, or to teach, and whatever that is. And this is it. So the first point is this. A, a living hope, which is what the New American Standard Bible records it as being in, in First um, Peter, where the NASB, which we read, says, um, now we live with great expectation. Uh, the NASB says we live with, uh, have a living hope. Um, so Peter's hope, this living hope, is not merely the felt presence of Jesus. And this is important for us. The living hope that Peter's talking about here. For Peter, as he preaches and as he writes, is not merely the felt presence of Jesus. It was so important for Peter that he saw a risen Jesus. Okay? So much of us, so much of, of Christianity is content with, with merely having a theological Jesus or an emotional Jesus, a felt Jesus, but we have to be very concerned. We have to be passionate about a living Jesus, a real, live, flesh and blood Jesus. And that is what excited Peter 
there's a song, and a hymn that you guys might be familiar with. It goes like this. It says, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. It says, I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he al- he's always there. And then it goes like this. He goes, he lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives, and the song's great, and then you're like, ah, what? And it goes, he lives within my heart. And Peter would go, not just that! Right? Peter would go, don't stop there. That's right. (laughs) Right? But Peter's like, but that's not it. Jesus is alive. And it's crucial for us to realize that it's, Jesus isn't just a spiritual idea, but that Jesus lived and that he died and that he lived again. John says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. And it's so important to have seen him. Um, if you're going to follow, turn with, with me to Acts, we're going to go through a bunch of different verses and, and get your, your fingers all ready to flip um, I just want you to hear Peter's preaching, and, and this, this really is every single message he preaches over and over again. If you go to Acts 3, 12 through 15, I'll wait for you to, to get there. Um, we're just going to go Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5, Acts 10. It's at, right after the four Gospels. Uh, 832. Page 832. So this is what it says. Chapter uh, 3, verses 12 through 15. And Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, "What, what is so surprising about this? And why do you stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This same Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to this fact. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to this fact. I've turned to Acts 4, 8 through 12. This is what he, he preaches again. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we have done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to you and all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Get that, the man crucified by God and raised from the dead. Uh, Acts 5, 29 through 31, next chapter right over. 
uh, 29 through 31. Okay, then Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior, and he did this so that the people of Israel will repent of their sins and be forgiven. Okay, Acts 10. It's our last one, keep going. 1039-43. And we apostles are witnesses to all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear... Not to the general public, but to, the, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. So this, is, this really is actually just like a smattering of, of what's going on in Acts, the New Testament, as the central message is that Jesus, the man, rose from the dead. And this is, this is tremendous. I, I spent a lot of time this weekend trying to kind of wrestle through this um, because I, I grew up in a home where... Where this was, um, this was part of my reality, you know, that, that Jesus rose from the dead. And, um, and trying to wrestle through, well, what does that, what does that mean? <laughs> that someone died and then rose from the dead. And what does, that, what does that mean for us to really claim that about Jesus? When, it, when I think a lot of times it was, it was I, would, I would admit this very theologically, you know, and admit maybe the results of that. Um, but it helped me to see how important this was to Peter. Um, it's sort of like becoming like the one you love. I just be, really began to admire Peter and his passion. Um, really see in the Gospels the genuine recounting of the life of a man, Peter, who was so passionate. I, I really could relate with him well. I love working with my hands, and I could, I could see this guy who, who enjoyed fishing, right? He would... Even when he, he followed Jesus, you'd find him multiple times in the Gospels going back to fish because he just enjoyed it. Right? What, what happened after Jesus died? They went out and started fishing. <laughs> right? So this is, this is not just a job for him. This is something that he really enjoyed. And, and he was so passionate. And then what it took for him to really become a man who preached, right? Guys who work with their hands aren't known to be the guys who talk a lot, right? But here, here you have a guy who the Holy Spirit comes and acts, and he's preaching with power, right? And authority that is unparalleled, really. I mean, 3,000 people come to know Jesus that day, Come to know a man who a lot of them had heard preach before. And because of this powerful testimony of a fisherman, they're coming to believe. 
that this man had actually risen from the dead. So get this, Acts is written because Jesus is really risen. And, I, and that's, the, that's the only way we can really begin to understand the book of Acts. Um, and all that's going on is that a, a man rose from the dead. In Acts 4.13, it, it recounts this as Peter and John um, are in front of members of the council. Um, and it says, They could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scripture, but they also recognized that these men had seen Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Right? These men had been with Jesus. And I don't think it's just talking about been with Jesus while he was, while he was uh, walking before his death. But these men had really been with Jesus. They, they were changed men. They weren't the scared men that all betrayed Jesus, but something had really changed in them. But with this, um, as Peter writes, and he sees it as being so crucial and important for him to see Jesus, he admits the difficulty for us who now don't have the opportunity um, to see Jesus like he saw Jesus. Um, and that's helpful for me. <laughs> A person who loves to see things, loves to, to hold things. And, and Peter writes, right there in the first chapter, he says, you love him, you love Jesus, even though you've not seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And he's writing that to you because he's like, I, I just, I love you guys, I love you guys because cause you didn't get the opportunity I got to see Jesus after his death, but even though you haven't seen him, you love him. And I think he's really writing this to encourage the church as his message and his passion comes from seeing the living Christ, right, who, who showed up and was like, oh, you don't think I'm alive? Will you have some fish I'll eat? Right? <laughs> who showed up and, and proved to the disciples in so many ways that he was alive and living and, and active, Right? I wanted to know, I'm st- yeah, I'm still leaving, but I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. Right? It's, more, it's better that way, because that's going to be where the power comes from. It's not just going to be this physical experience that you have, but it's going to be an eternal hope that I'm giving you with the Holy Spirit. So, um, so going from there, our second point is that the resurrection of Jesus is central to the message of Christianity. The, the, the true resurrection of Jesus, that is what is preached in the New Testament, and it's really what holds the book of 1 Peter together. Um, there's a lot of things that, that in um, modern academic circles, uh, they, they try to get rid of. They try to get rid of the virgin birth. They try to get rid of the resurrection, other things like that. This is something that, that as Christians, we cannot do. Um, it, is, it is important for us that Jesus rose from the dead. And here are some reasons why. Um, the first thing is that it shows that Jesus has a different kind of authority than anyone else on the earth. And so it's really proving um, when Peter was preaching, he says, you killed the author of life. Um, Jesus has a different authority because he's not just another man who preached the message, but he is the one through whom the Bible says everything exists. Um, so he is the author of life. And so when we ask the question that some of us do, at different times in our life, of what does it mean to be alive, I think it's really important to be able to ask the author of life. Um, and that's, that also is something that can kind of get lost in our culture, where so much is left up to personal interpretation. Um, <laughs> take any of the arts, really. 
You know, someone writes a song and everyone's like, well, I like it, but I think it kind of means this. Right? I, I would love to hear more artists saying, this is what my work means, because that's really what I'm concerned with. I want to I want to have this conversation with hearing actually, well, what did you invest into this? And so what can I receive from this? And so that's what we get with Jesus, is as Jesus is preaching, he's not just merely another wise guy who's saying, well, if you, pref- you know, <laughs> here's the, a better way to live. But this is, this is actually... God, who the whole world was created by, who spoke life into existence, who's come back preaching the message of this is actually what it means to be alive. So it's crucial for us that we understand the authority of Jesus. And that authority would so easily be challenged if Jesus remained dead. But Jesus didn't remain dead. and He did something that no man... (laughs) could do, which was, was be raised from the dead, conquering death itself. Um, and, I, and I hope this is stirring in you an, a, a discomfort. <laughs> At some point during the sermon today, you're going to think, that's impossible. <laughs> right? you, you have to wrestle through that. You have to wrestle through the point that to be raised from the dead is impossible. Right? I'm not asking you to come to the point of being like, well, you know, I, okay, maybe, maybe they had like a defibrillator or something. You know, they had like, they zapped, you know. No, that's not what happened. Like, it is impossible. But Jesus, being the author of life, being God himself, conquered the curse of death. And I think it's so much easier for us to understand death and relate with death when we talk so much about the death of Jesus. Jesus died for me. Jesus did this and died. And, but it's so hard for us really to relate with the life of Jesus because we can relate with the death because some of us experience that, right? 100% of you will die. <laughs> okay? And so when we, when, we, when we love to know that Jesus shared in our suffering, right? Shared in our pain, but then something crazy happens and it should fill us with discomfort almost that then Jesus could do something different that none of us could do, right? And he could become living again. And with that, have this blessed gift of life that he can share with people, right? Life eternal. And this is what Paul calls, or this is what, excuse me, Peter calls the living hope, Right, an actual living hope that will not perish, spoil, or fade. Right? It, says, it says in here, reserved in heaven for you, nothing's going to touch it. Why? Because Jesus conquered death and is alive. Um, and this is not, I want to deal with this really quick, two, non-technically, on two levels. The first is that what this means physically, and the second, what this means spiritually. Because if I ask, you know, a very scientific-minded person in here, uh, what does it mean to be alive? You'd be like, well, you have roughly between 10 and 100 trillion cells, and those cells are rapidly reproducing, creating your teeth and your skin, your heart, your hair, right? (laughs) So technically, (laughs) to be alive... Has, has connotation for us, means something for us physically, right? 
And, and we will not understand Jesus being alive until we appreciate that. Because sometimes we just want to appreciate it spiritually. I want you to appreciate it. I was, I was out yesterday. I love hiking. I just went out by a beach yesterday. And I was, I was like trying to grasp this. And it, I encourage you guys to do this too. I was out there and there was like, it was beautiful. There were seagulls. There was grass. And I was just thinking, okay, this grass is living. Not, I wasn't thinking spiritually about this, okay? It was just, <laughs> right? There's something about this. There, there's cells in this grass, right? That are, are living, and this is alive, okay? Dirt, not so much, okay? <laughs> to Sheila. Okay, um, <laughs> so, uh, right, a tree, tree is living, right? And I was really going through this, and what does it mean? Okay, me, I'm alive. What does that mean for me to be alive, right? And I wasn't asking, like, I wasn't going really into, like, the spiritual, philosophical, what does it mean to be alive? I was really just going through, like, I'm just enjoying this right now. You know, I'm thankful that I'm, I'm young, I can go running, I can do all these things. Um, to be alive, right, that means something for us, just at the most elementary level, right? And it's something that is precious to us. And to lose that is something that, that terrifies us to a certain extent, right? I mean, to begin losing our health, whether because it's old age or because it's a disease, that's hard because it makes us feel weak and vulnerable, Okay, and that's, that's partly what it means to be alive. But so often when we're asked what does it mean to be alive, we immediately jump past that, right? But I don't want you, I want you to start there and say, what does that mean? That, that I can blink my eyes and, and thankfully, you know, when I got the cut this week, that skin is gradually forming back over that cut again. And I'm very thankful for that because it stings a little bit. <laughs> okay, what, so that, at that very elementary level, let's, let's realize the preciousness of life. And, and that will help us as we realize that Jesus is living. Um, and the second level, as we, as we reach beyond that to say, well, what, is, what does it mean? So I ask you, well, what, is, what does life mean? And, and the pessimists in the room will be like, work, taxes, <laughs> right? So, so what, is, what does that mean, Right? It was like I served, I, I made my rare latte. I usually don't make those. I, I'm doing other things. Angelica's very proud of me right now. So I made a latte last week, and I was, I was conversing with a guy. And, and it was Monday, and he goes, sucks it's not the weekend anymore. <laughs> it was like, because for him, what was life? Life was the weekend. Life was, right? What is life for you? Family vacations, not family vacations, <laughs> what, what, is, what is that in body for you? Um, video games? <laughs> what is it? What is life? As we go, um, as, we, as we approach this, what is life and what does it mean for Jesus actually to be alive and us to participate in that, that life, the life of Christ, the living hope? Um, so for these two levels, it was really important that Jesus was physically alive for the disciples, which we've gone through. That's why... In Mark 16, the angel says, and this is cool, he says, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm alive. Why? Because Peter's that guy, right? And when they hear in John, it says, Peter and John run to the, run, run to the tomb. They, why do they run? It's because it's important that he's physically alive. 
Right? They didn't saunter. And I think this is, they call him the big fisherman. I think this is wise because the other disciple, it says they started running and the other disciple got their way ahead of Peter. So Peter's, Peter's the big fisherman. All right? Do you guys get that? The other guy was faster. Okay. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. The earliest creed we know of in the church goes like this. Um, and this, this helps us realize how important it was for them that he was physically alive. He says in verse 13, I passed on to you what was most important and what has been passed on to me. Christ died for your sins just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture say. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by 500 of his followers at one time. And most of us are still alive, though some have died. And it goes on, he says, this is what, I pass on to you what's most important. What is most important? This is, this is a creed they would repeat, right? And so, when he's writing this, and this is, this is really early, it says, this has already been, this is already what is basically passed on from the church, from, from one person to the next. This is, this is what is most important. That Christ died, and he rose from the dead. This is what is essential. Um, life is precious, and it was so important for them to understand that he was, he was indeed living. Um, what this means for us spiritually is also tremendously important. And what this means for him to be able to talk into our lives in that innermost area, where a lot of people have, right, you might say, there's, there's people who have, who have had tremendous influence and had tremendous influence to the point of dying for others, right? Um, so many, whether it be leaders, religious leaders, right? Martin Luther King Jr. essentially died for a cause, right? So many others. I mean, the Mormons would say Joseph Smith died for their cause, whoever it is. But it's, that's what's so interesting about Jesus is he didn't just die for a cause, but he lived again, right? Which carries tremendous authority, right? And that, it is very, very important that we realize what that means for Jesus to live again. And, and it was cool for me to, to think about this is because I realized that <laughs> I haven't taken seriously enough that Jesus, like, Man, all those things that I think are so precious about life, the ability to like breathe and interact and love and, and the thing that I think of being so physical and I can do with my physical body, Jesus could physically do again after he rose from the dead. He participated in those things. But with that, declared himself with authority and power to be what he had always said he was, which is the Savior, the Son of the living God. And that... That's tremendous for us. In 1 Corinthians 15, later on, after that, that creed, that declaration, it says, And if Christ had not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. 
right? And, and that's, that's them just saying, guys, don't you get it? It cannot be, it cannot be that we celebrate someone who were like, well, it was important that he died, but, but this, it's just spiritually heroes from that. It's not just that. He says, get this, and if Christ had not been raised from the dead, your faith is useless. So what does that mean for us to claim, yes, Jesus rose from the dead? For us, what this means, and this is what Jesus passed on to disciples, um, is that all the promises of God are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's, I think that's partly what Peter was getting so excited about, is, is he finally, I think, realized what he was really participating in. Um, as the Holy Spirit really opened up his ability to share the good news. Um, and Luke, at the very end of it, as Jesus comes back um, and is speaking with his disciples, he says, why are you frightened? Why is your heart so filled with doubt? Right? <laughs> Maybe this is a word to us. Why are you guys frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Which sometimes we can be. Um, can be very, a typical state of our heart is we wrestle through these questions over and over and over again. Jesus, I realize it's, it has tremendous effect, tremendous power if you really raised from the dead, but did you? Um, and we ask ourselves those honest questions and, and, and Jesus comes back and he says why do you doubt and he says look at my feet look at my hands touch me and then, and then I think something that's really helpful to us is he comes and he says when I was with you before I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms would be fulfilled yes it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and would be risen on the third day. And it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is the forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And so that was Peter. And so what we're going to experience these next couple weeks, as we, as we dive into the book of 1 Peter, and I hope you guys are excited about this, is really this testimony of a guy who's, who's motivated by a living God. Not, not merely a, a God of the philosophers, who I, I've spent plenty of time studying, right? And there's, there's a certain part of me that ex, is excited about that kind of study, because I like thinking, and I like thinking about like, like <laughs> what they'd call the best of all possible worlds, right? But, but this is something so different than that, right? Because, because with the God of the philosophers, I stand there with Peter and would try pulling Jesus aside and be like, no, you can't die, right? The show's not over yet. <laughs> because my hope can't see past the grave until... And this is amazing, until Jesus Christ conquered the grave. And because of that, we too can see past the grave into eternal life. And that, that is something that is tremendous, guys. Um, and this, this living hope um, is what gives us the ability to celebrate the healing of people, right? As Letitia's arm healed or, or you know, Angelica doesn't have cancer anymore, you know, or or we we able to 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 stand with those Peter people who Peter's talking about and says, even though you haven't seen him, you love him, 
right? And you're filled with joy inexpressible. Um, and the reason why is because Jesus is living. Um, he is living today. And I've had such a hard time during my life, from when I was young to now, really trying to embrace that, really, in truth, embrace that. Um, I remember singing songs like, um, like uh, I believe in Jesus, and it says, and I believe that you're here now, standing in our midst. And I'd be like, okay, this must just be really spiritual. and um, <laughs> right, Like trying to grasp that. But the fact is that Jesus is alive. That he, he truly is alive. Um, and that, that is the message of the scripture. So as we read the Bible, it's not just asking us, and get this, guys, you who are, you love working with your hands or whatever, and, and abstract ideas aren't that easy for you. Um, <laughs> don't worry, <laughs> right? Because God isn't just asking you to, to have this abstract faith right, about what might be. But he's asking you to put your, put your absolute trust in the God who is and is living and hears when we pray because he's alive. And so that, that is the God that Peter is so excited about and, and will, be, will be the theme of this whole book as we go through what it means is what it looks like for our personal faith, which Peter will talk about, for the community of believers that are built upon Christ, which he talks about. Um, and then he ends by talking about what that means for suffering, which is going to be so valuable to us. What does it mean to have a living Christ when we experience suffering? Um, because that is our hope. That is our living hope. And I, I hope you guys are excited about this. So let, let's pray together, and, uh, and then we'll worship. Father, I thank you for this morning. Um, I think sunny days always fill us with <laughs> a bit of physical hope. Um, God, I thank you for, for these stories in the scripture that, that are true and, and are just passing on to us the life that, that Jesus lived and is offering to us to participate in. That the, the promise of God, never will I leave you or forsake you, is fulfilled perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ, that our deepest troubles, um, our most hurtful experiences in life, Jesus has experienced and went beyond to give us hope, not only for the present, but for eternity. And God, I just, I pray that, that you might just open, <laughs> open up our hearts to experience the joy that Peter's talking about when he talks about this inexpressible, glorious joy to know that Jesus is alive. Um, and this is really awesome to think about after Easter, and we celebrated this, but again, to carry this on, that this is our continuing living hope that Jesus is alive. God, help us. Help us to see.
and appreciate and worship. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.